In this episode, we have four stories that were submitted to me on dreadsarmy.com, your number one news source for daily weird and strange news. Now let's get to the stories, but remember, stay out of room 1313. I just started a few weeks ago as a clerk in a big hotel in Boston, Massachusetts. When I say big, I mean it's got 39 floors. I got the usual training, how to answer a phone, input reservations in the computer, magnetized key cards, but Mary Jo, who trained me, told me one weird thing. She said room 1313 is never given to a guest. I didn't ask why because Mary Jo's one of those people. Like, you don't ask her questions. Besides, I figured it was just a superstitious thing. 1313. Some old buildings don't even have a 13th floor. So I didn't think much of it, really. I just did my job, answered the phone, and dealt with the cranky guests that you'd expect. After a while, they put me on as a night clerk. I wasn't surprised. I knew I'd been hired to work that shift, but they were waiting to have me fully trained first. I was prepared. I switched up my sleep schedule and loaded some games on my phone. On our phone system, you can tell where a call is coming from. Laundry room, kitchen, office, or even which guest room. So you can imagine what I thought when a call came from room 1313. I answered it, thinking it was a mistake somehow. Maybe the phone's wires got crossed. There was nothing on the other end. Just something that sounded like air rushing. Or maybe somebody breathing. Okay, so it was scary. It was like 3 a.m. or so and nobody was around. No guests hanging around the lobby. No cleaning people wandering through. There's a security guard somewhere, but I didn't know where he was. I just hung up and sat there sweating. I kept telling myself it was nothing. A glitch, whatever. Then the phone rang again. Room 1313. I let it ring. Ten times and the answering service will get it. I couldn't help it. I had to know what was going on. I picked up the phone on ring 9 and said the standard greeting. More breathing. But this time something else like a pop noise. I put down the receiver gently, like I was trying to not get upset at whoever was on the other end. I played games on my phone for a while and the security guard wandered by. I thought about asking him if he knew anything about 1313, but I was scared to hear the answer. I jumped when it rang again, but this time it was room 1214, wanting more towels. The clock ticked over to 4 a.m., and then the phone rang again. 1313. I picked up and said, what do you want? No answer. Breathing in another weird pop. Now I was sure somebody was messing with me. This had to be initiation ritual or some sick joke. I marched down the hall to the elevators. I got in and pressed for the 13th floor. The hallway was dim and quiet, hardly even a TV noise. I could hear my shoes on the carpet. I stopped in front of room 1313 and used the universal key card to unlock the door. I could barely make myself open it, but I had to know if this was a prank. The room smelled musty, but it looked like all the other rooms. Paisley carpet, white bedspreads, fake wood dresser, and the phone on the nightstand was off the hook. My legs felt shaky as I walked over to it. I hung it up. As I left, I could see my hand shaking. I didn't think it was a prank, but when I got to the lobby, I called Mose, the security guard. Are you pranking me, I asked him. Are you the one calling from 1313? No, he said. Let me come to the lobby. 
He came a couple minutes later and leaned against the counter. Room 1313 is haunted, he said. Stop messing with me. It is, he insisted. Weird stuff happens in that room. Why do you think they don't let anybody stay there? So a ghost is calling the front desk, I said. Why? He went on to tell me about how 11 years ago, a guest didn't check out on time. Housekeeping found her dead, alone, and on the bed. No one knew what had happened. She hadn't been with anyone. And no signs of trauma, heart attack, undetectable poison. No one ever found out. Okay, so what do I do, I asked. Mose shrugged and just walked off. The phone rang again, 1313. I answered it. What do you want? Breathing. Popping noises. I hung up. Now I was completely tired of this crap. I went back up to the room. I was still scared, but more just mad. I opened the door and the phone was off the hook. I tore it out of the wall. Maybe it was my imagination, but the phone felt weird. Almost like it was vibrating. I stowed it in the storeroom where we kept all kinds of extra crap like phones, TVs, and clocks. I went back to the desk. Now people were starting to wake up because it was 5 a.m. That made me a little less scared. After a while, the phone rang. 1314. Hey man, I don't know who's in the room next door, but they got the TV turned up really loud, the guy said. 1313, I asked? Yeah, the guy said. I went up there. Now I was pissed. This ghost was really causing trouble. The remote control was on the bed. I was sure it hadn't been there before. I took the TV, the remote, and the radio. Now what are you going to do, I said. Yeah, I was talking to myself, but it made me feel less scared. The stuff felt weird, though. The way the phone had, and it made me a little freaked out. After that, though, everything was quiet. I keep expecting the ghost to figure out some other way to communicate or to amuse itself or whatever it was trying to do. It hasn't happened yet, though. Hi, Donovan. I'm a fire specialist with the Department of Natural Resources in a northwestern state, but I'm not comfortable saying which state. In case anyone out there is not familiar with that title, a fire specialist is just like a regular firefighter, except that we only deal with fires that happen in our parks and game lands. I'm the type of guy who just clocks in, does what he's told, clocks out at the end of the day, and leaves it behind. Life is just too short to dwell on your job after you punch out that clock. But recently, something happened on the job that disturbed me. I've been back and forth over whether I should say something. My wife says no, that I should leave it be. But I think people have the right to know. One of our state forests here is very large and very popular. It's a great place for fishing and camping, and it gets pretty crowded in good weather. A buddy of mine is a ranger there. We were having a few drinks one night, and he told me that there has been a rash of Bigfoot sightings in the park. Now, you might laugh, but I didn't, and neither did he. It's more common than you think for people to see strange things in the forest, at least around here. While I personally have never seen anything that looked like a Bigfoot, there's been times where I've been in the woods and felt like something was watching me. And mind you, that's even happened after an area has been evacuated of the general public when we're about to do a controlled burn. Now, when my buddy told me that, I just asked him if anyone had managed to get any pictures. We're all waiting for that day. You know, when someone finally snaps a picture 
and proves the existence of these things. He said no, but he and one of the other rangers decided to set up some game cameras right in the same area that people had been reporting seeing the creature. I didn't think too much of it. I just said cool and keep me posted, and we moved on to another subject. Then, about a week later, my buddy calls me, all excited, and says they did it. They got an image. I was stunned. He said it was pretty clear, and no one would be able to say it was fake. So, of course, I wanted to see it. He told me to come by on his station whenever I could get over there. It's about an hour away. Well, we had some family stuff come up right after that, or I would have gone immediately. Nothing serious, but, you know, family comes first. It was five days later when I called my friend back, and I said I'd like to come by in two days' time, which was my next day off. I had to leave a voicemail because he didn't pick up his phone. Then, the evening before I was supposed to go see him, I got a call from my supervisor. He instructed me to report the next day to the regional office for a control burn. I was like, um, hello, it's my day off. There were no wildfires going on, so why pull me in? He said it was non-negotiable, and that was that. He didn't have any details, just said I'd find out more at the regional office. So that sucked, but whatever. I showed up there the next day with five other guys, and we were given the specifics. I was shocked. We were going to burn a whopping 500 acres, based on a spur-of-the-moment decision. I bet you can guess where, too. Yep, they were having us do a ping-pong ball drop right smack over the area that had all the Bigfoot sightings. A ping-pong ball drop is when we fly over with a PSD dispenser on board. It injects glycol into a plastic sphere, which contains potassium permanganate. Then it shoots it out of the helicopter. The combo triggers the thermogenic reaction, igniting the area in a flash. The only times I've ever been involved in a ping-pong ball drop was when an area was already on fire. It's safer than going in on foot. I've never seen it used for a prescribed burn around here before. So we did it. 500 acres went up in flames. And I couldn't help but to wonder if the reason was they found out that Bigfoot creature was really in there. I tried calling my friend, wanting to get his take on it. I kept getting voicemail and he never called me back. So finally, I had a day off and went over to the park he worked at. There was a new guy there that I never met before. He said my buddy had been transferred, but he didn't know where. This whole thing reeks to me of a cover-up. Last time I talked to him, he was excited about him and another ranger finally getting some pics of the Sasquatch. I wish he had told me the last name of the other guy, though I wouldn't be surprised if he was transferred too. Anyway, I wrote him a letter telling him about the ping-pong ball drop. I didn't say too much, just in case the letter gets intercepted. But I wanted him to know, in case he didn't already. I figured his mail would get forwarded to wherever he is living now. All I can think is, he's avoiding me. Maybe because he was told not to talk about the picture. It would take a pretty serious threat, though, for him to stay quiet. He's pretty hard-headed. I guess that's all I got to say. Except now, whenever I'm told to do a controlled burn... I'm going to wonder if there's an ulterior motive. How you doing, Donovan? I'm a big fan of your YouTube channel. I was always skeptic when it came to the weird and paranormal stuff. And while the stories on your show are very entertaining, I didn't necessarily believe it. But now, I'm a true believer. 
thanks to a series of strange occurrences that I experienced firsthand. I'm a small-town cop in rural Michigan. I was born and raised here, and I can't imagine being anywhere else. When I was growing up, I remember stories about haunted places and Sasquatch sightings. They were just stories to scare kids, and I eventually grew out of it. There's one story in particular, though, about an old abandoned house in the woods on the outskirts of town. It was built in the 1800s, and the patriarch of the family supposedly went crazy, claiming to see demons before killing his wife and kids, and then himself. There's no record that it actually happened, so I chalked it up to an urban legend. But generations of kids dared each other to go in that house by themselves. Even I went in there in high school. It was like a rite of passage. Sure, it's creepy, but it's old and dilapidated. So what do you expect? Nothing's ever happened anyway, and you end up scaring yourself with anticipation. In recent years, it's been a home to junkies, so it's not very safe. I think that contributed to waning interest in the place, until a tragic incident a year ago. A few high school kids went to the house and messed around with a Ouija board. A few days later, one of them hung himself in the house. It was a pretty big deal around here, and a lot of people were very spooked. Some were convinced the kid was possessed by demons. But if you look at his history, he was bullied at school and didn't have many friends. In fact, the group that he went with weren't his real friends, and they admitted they only took him there to play a prank, which they filmed and posted online. That being said, his family claimed that he kept talking about a being he kept seeing leading up to his death. He described it as human, but not human. It was gaunt and naked with pale white skin. Its eyes were black. It had no nose, and it made this clicking sound with its tongue and thin lips. People wanted to believe this sensational version, but I thought it was a textbook case of a poor kid being bullied. The thing he described sounded like a junkie he may have run into at the house, and maybe he had some bad dreams about it. Nonetheless, it started as a ghost challenge trend online where kids would go in the house and post videos on social media. I've seen some of these videos, and they're clearly fake, designed to set up a cheap jump scare or even use poor CGI effects. But six months later, there was another incident. A girl and her friends took up the ghost challenge. Then late one night, she drove off of a road and died when she crashed into a tree. Again, people said it was demons, but really, that road is dark twisty, and infamous for car wrecks. As tragic as it was, I didn't question it because accidents happen there frequently. We talked to her friends and they were scared, claiming the girl rambled on about some strange being she kept seeing in her bedroom. What she described was the exact same thing the other kid saw. I admit it was weird, but rumors about the other kid had already been going around, so she could have easily been influenced by that. The incident was enough so that there were calls to demolish the house and make the area off-limits. I was tasked with boarding up the place and marking it off with police tape. Meanwhile, plans were made to tear down the house in a week. I drove there by myself one afternoon, and maybe it was because of everything going on, but I was pretty anxious. I went in the house to chase out the junkies, and as I looked around, I heard this weird clicking sound, like something you make with your tongue. I immediately thought about what that kid heard, but I was sure it was just somebody in the place. 
I did a sweep of the house, but I found no one. I kept hearing that clicking sound, always coming from another room. But when I'd look into that room, it was empty, and the sound would come from a different room. It started to freak me out, so I quickly nailed the door shut and put up the police tape and hightailed it out of there. As I walked to my car, the clicking sound followed behind me at a distance. I started to run, but the sound got louder and louder until it was directly near my ear. It made the hair on my back of my neck stand up. I finally jumped in my car and sped off. I didn't hear that sound anymore, and I refused to look in the rearview mirror, afraid of what I'd see. When I got home, I sat in the car for a while, trying to process all that took place. It was long enough so that my wife eventually came out to see what was wrong, but I didn't tell her. Later that night, I saw it. I woke up after this horrible nightmare, and I couldn't move a muscle like sleep paralysis. A figure stood at the foot of my bed, watching me. It was ghostly, naked, and pale, exactly like those kids described. Its eyes were black, round voids. My wife slept soundly next to me, but that thing wasn't interested in her. It only focused on me. I was petrified. I couldn't move. I couldn't even scream. I stared at it for hours until dawn, when it finally faded away as the sun came up. I've heard sleep paralysis can be terrifying and similar to what I experienced, so I told myself that was just what it was. But then it happened again. The second time I woke up to find the figure standing right next to me. The third time it leaned directly over me from the head of the bed, which is impossible because the bed is pushed up against the wall. I barely got any sleep, and I felt like I was losing my mind. I was afraid to tell anyone because I'd be ridiculed but my wife and co-workers definitely noticed I was distracted. A week later, they finally demolished that house, and everything stopped. It took a while for my mind to settle, but I was eventually able to sleep again. I can't prove that what I experienced was real, but I know in my gut that it was. And I don't doubt those kids anymore. Hopefully, we won't be plagued by that nightmare again. Hey there, Donovan. Love the channel. I listen to it every chance I get. Whether it's doing laundry, catching the bus, or out for a run, you could say that I'm obsessed. I'm always waiting to hear someone with a similar experience to me. Let me explain. The first time I saw them was when I was a teenager. Who is them, you ask? I hesitate to say because it's so laughable. But let me be clear. The last thing they are is funny. I used to roll my eyes whenever someone would talk about aliens and UFOs. The only thing I could conjure up in my mind was E.T., that goofy-looking creature with a long neck, big eyes, and a light bulb for a fingertip. I saw the movie when I was a kid, so to me, aliens were these friendly, candy-eating things that just wanted to go home. I assure you, this is not an accurate portrayal. My first encounter with them was when I was 14. Even though it was nearly 20 years ago, I'll never forget it. Have you ever heard of a lucid dream? A dream so vivid, you thought it was real. That's what it was like. I went to bed one night, worried about the science test I had the next day. I didn't study and I needed a good grade. Otherwise, I was looking at summer school. I was so stressed out. I had trouble sleeping and would wake up at the slightest disturbance. 
wind blowing in the trees, dad snoring, the neighbor's dog barking. I remember waking up to this bright light coming through the window, like a giant spotlight. I covered my eyes wondering what was going on. It was blinding, but it only lasted a few seconds and quickly dissipated. That's when the nightmare began. The light died down. I became aware of a sickening stench, like rotten garbage. Can you smell in your dreams? I didn't think so. It was then that I saw a silhouette standing at the foot of my bed. I tried to sit up, but I couldn't move a muscle. I was frozen in place and I could only move my eyes to look around. The figure didn't look human. It didn't look like E.T. either. But it was kind of similar. Short with a large bulbous head. Long skinny neck and slender body and arms. It slowly moved around the bed towards me, but it didn't walk. It floated. As it got closer, I could see its large oval black eyes. I had never seen anything like it. They were blacker than black, like a void, an emptiness that stretched into infinity. The creature reached out its hand and extended its finger. No, it didn't light up. It touched my forehead, and then suddenly I heard voices. It was kind of like flipping through the channels on a radio station with different languages, until it finally settled on an English-speaking station. A voice called me by name and said that they had been looking for me. To say I was petrified would be an understatement. The creature leaned in and I kept staring into those black voids until they swallowed me. The next thing I knew, I was in an antiseptic room that had no walls. I don't know how to describe it, but there was no depth. And as vast as it seemed, it was also claustrophobic. I was strapped to some kind of gurney. I still couldn't move. The most horrifying part was that I was now surrounded by seven of those creatures, and they were all looming over me. One of them reached out and grabbed me by the jaw, forcing my mouth open. I'll never forget the clammy feeling of its hands. There was no warmth like a human touch, and it was cold and dead. Another being held up this contraption that I can only describe as a drill made out of flesh and bone. I tried to scream, but nothing came out. I was a prisoner trapped in my own body, and only my consciousness remained. They shoved that drill down my throat, and I felt every ounce of pain and discomfort. I heard a voice in my head. It was them, speaking telepathically again, telling me that I was part of some experiment, and that I should be honored that I was chosen. Not gonna lie, honor was not the first feeling that came to my mind. Whatever that contraption was... I felt it slither down my throat, into my stomach winding through my intestines. I'll spare you the details of where it came out, but you can use your imagination. The next thing I knew, I bolted up in bed, coughing and gagging. I clutched my throat as the alarm chirped on the nightstand, and morning sunlight poured through the window. I grabbed that damn alarm and chucked it across the room. At the time, I thought it was just a dream, but my throat and my stomach were sore. Not like I was sick, but like something had been rammed down my throat and ripped out. Needless to say, I failed my science test. My parents weren't happy about it, but I never told them what happened that night. I struggled for a long time afterwards, trying to determine if it was real or not. Only recently, I've come to the conclusion that yes, it was very real. What led to that decision? Well, it happened again. 
just last week. Same dream. Only this time, they said I was about to enter a new phase of the experiment. When I woke up, there was a small lump on my stomach and a tiny scar. What scares me is that the lump has grown a little each day. I'm afraid to go to the doctor. I'm afraid to sleep. I can't tell anyone, not even my family or friends, because they'll think I'm crazy. But I thought the listeners of your show might understand. If you believe in God, please pray for me. Also, make sure to check out dreadsarmy.com, where you'll find all of my stories and multiple strange and weird news posted every single day. If you want to be part of the discussion, check out the forums on Dreads Army. We also have a Facebook group so you don't miss out on any updates. Thanks and take care.